0: Good afternoon, ladies and gents. It is uh, Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. This is Blue's Views uh, with some intraday comments. Uh, we've been at a commission on the podcast for uh, about, it has been about a week and a half, almost two weeks now. Um, as I mentioned in the Twitter feed, I, uh, <laughs> it's my first summer in the Midwest and um, <clears throat> I'm clearly having some allergic reactions to whether it's the pollen or some kind of, uh, particle floating around in the air. I, uh, I lost my voice uh, for most of the last 10 days. Um, I was able to talk, you know, hoarsely with my family and things like that. But I, uh, every time I tried to record a podcast, it was just coming out very, it was very hard to hear. Uh, and it just didn't sound good. So um, I am back now. I'm, I got a, uh, went to see the doctor. He got, me, uh, he got me to go off to Walmart and buy some Flonase it seems to be helping. So the allergy medication, I probably should have put two and two together myself, but uh, the allergy medication seems to have taken the problem away. So anyway, uh, we are back. Uh, I, you know, there are, obviously there's been a pretty big gap here since we last spoke to you. Uh, there's a lot going on today. So I think what I'm going to do today is just kind of do a, uh, a quick catch up on my thoughts on the market, uh, where we are, where we're going, etc. cetera. Uh, we just had that. And then I'll, I'll, I'll probably try to drill down on specific uh, verticals or specific uh, you know areas of the market uh, tomorrow and Friday and then uh, next week as well. So I'm going to try to get back to doing a daily podcast, uh, which was the original goal. And some weeks I just don't have the bandwidth to get to it. I don't have the bandwidth to get to it. Uh, I, every time I do a podcast, I want to have something new for you. I don't want to be repeating myself over and over and over again. I think that it dilutes the exercise, it dilutes the impact of the exercise, it dilutes the value and possible enjoyment that people get out of listening to it, so there certainly is material out there for me to do, uh, uh, you know, at least a five to ten minute podcast every day, and I'm going to try to get back to that, but as I said, you know, I'll do my, that's the goal, but if I do two or three a week, I'll be pretty happy with that, but it's been two weeks, almost two weeks since I've done even one, so let's dive into where we are right now. Uh, so we just had the Fed minutes from the uh, last FOMC meeting come out. Uh, no real surprises there. Um, I do note that it looked like the the market was starting to price out um, a kind of 100% possibility. Well, it was never at 100%, but the market was has basically been looking for 50 basis points in June and 50 in July for a while now. Uh, the the market's level of conviction in that. 50 basis point hike in july had started to back off a little bit uh i haven't taken a uh a look at the fed funds futures uh what they're implying uh in the last 30 minutes since the fed funds uh, the fed minutes came out i'll take a look at that later but um it, lo- it looks like the the recessionary um narrative has definitely started to i mean take take hold a little bit you've seen five and 10 year inflation break evens pull back sharply. Uh, you've seen commodities other than X oil, commodities have um, have been relatively soft the last couple of months. Um, I still am, I'm still still someone who thinks that we are in a commodity super cycle, but we had a pretty big run higher there uh, for a while and you know nothing's gonna go in a straight line forever. So I would not be surprised as this recessionary narrative continues to eat into the market's mind share to see especially copper copper is the big one uh you know copper interest rates have had a huge run copper had had a huge run those do tend to move in lockstep uh, we have seen signs of life in the back end of the yield curve tlt has finally found a bit it got down i think as low as about 112 now it's it's knocking on the door of 120. um so yes the the inflation narrative uh, has already started to give way to the recession narrative. So that, you know, Mike, Mike Wilson and Morgan Stanley has been talking about this for three or four months now, how inflation is old news. It's been old news for a while. Um, the The focus should be shifting to growth and how challenging it's going to be in this not only the second half of 2022, but you know, relative to the kind of growth that we're used to seeing historically, 2023 could end up being a challenging year as well. So you're seeing that transition play out here. Um, What's interesting in in my mind is that you have not really seen. You you would expect secular growth stocks to catch a bid as that transition unfolds. Right. First, the focus is on all inflation is out of control. The Fed's gonna have to hike rates, Fed funds is way too low, people are underestimating how many hikes are coming, et cetera, et cetera. You know, these secular growth names, like obvious, just to mention the the, the obvious ones, you know, Amazon, Apple, et cetera. Um, you know, these are bond proxies. They, uh, they have been priced to, tra- or they've been trading for a while, like interest rates were gonna stay, you know, below 2% forever. Uh, that has all kind of come unglued. But you would expect that as the transition shifts, uh, as, the, as there's a transition from the fixation on, on inflation being too high and rates have to move higher, to growth uh, downshifting, recession becoming uh, uh, you know, a, a major risk, that secular growth names would start to find a little bit more of a relative bid. And they haven't, at least not yet. And the reason I find that noteworthy is I think it, it highlights just how out of control uh, the valuation the bubble in secular growth names got. I know that when you look at some of these names like you know uh, I've seen 20 tweets in the last week about how unbelievably cheap Google is and sure uh, just based on headline valuation numbers it looks ridiculously cheap. you know Apple looks cheap a lot of these names look cheap but people forget people are forgetting that there's there's a P and an E right they're forgetting about the e. You know, no one that I know values secular growth names on trailing PE. They all look at the forward PE. And the fact of the matter is, is that no one knows how the next couple of years are going to play out for these secular growth names. The earnings estimates that have been out there for a while, for 2023, 24, 25, I mean, the market's been looking out 10, 15, 20 years on these names. And that, that's what happens when you have a stubbornly low interest rate regime supported by a Fed that seems terrified of upsetting the Apple card. It's not just a function of, we need to see some degrading. We need to see these multiples come down. We need to see these multiples come down and, and they have a lot, but we need to see these earnings estimates and out years, or and in the case of the, the really big names like Apple, out decades come down. And that hasn't happened yet. I think people are underestimating just how much growth and consumer spending was pulled forward by the Fed over the last 14, 15 years. We really stole a ton of growth from future generations. And it's not, that's not the kind of thing that's gonna be undone in five, six months. It's just not, and look, we, we have, this is a, you know, there are more people participating in financial markets than ever we have multiple generations participating in them. You know, we've got the old school value investors like Warren Buffett. We've got the guys that have been around in the sixties and seventies and eighties. Then you've got my generation kind of gen X where we started trading in the mid nineties. Uh, we've seen several bear markets. We've seen quite a bit. We haven't seen as much as the old guys have, (laughs) but we've seen quite a bit, but you have an enormous amount of traders and investors that came along well after the financial crisis. And they only know a world where the Fed is a interminable cuckold for stocks. The Fed, and it amazes me too, that you know even, even the people who abided uh, by the buy the dip mentality and wisely so, because buy the dip worked to perfection for a very long time. Every time there was trouble, the Fed bailed us out. So you were foolish. To not um, buy the dip, at least to a certain extent, over most of the last 14 years. But even the even the most you know insufferably perma bullish guys out there, like like Tom Lee, you know, even they acknowledged, at least you know obliquely from time to time, that a time was going to come where inflation was going to get out of control and the Fed was no longer going to be able to do it. The thing that drives me absolutely bonkers about what's going on out there with just the message being sent by Wall Street to, uh, especially to retail investors, trying to keep them fully invested, trying to talk them out of pulling their money out of the market, is for years they all acknowledged that, that the time was gonna come when buy the dip was not gonna work anymore. And now that that time has arrived and arrived thunderously, right? with CPI inflation hitting nearly 10%, they're still pitching the same old yarn, you know. Oh, don't worry about this. the 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 Fed, the Fed has your back. Just stay invested. It's time in the market, not timing the market. So, you have a ton of market participants still, whether just by a total a total lack of emotional discipline, a lack of experience, a tendency to take advice from the wrong kinds of people. I mean. I've tweeted about some of these people. I'm not going to mention them. You know, I don't mind mentioning guys like Tom Lee and Marka Kalanovic on, on on a podcast because they're super they're, they're super high paid. These are rich. These they're rich. They've gotten rich. Pitch you know with their pitch book as it is. Okay, these guys have become a complete joke. They've become a punchline. Uh, and and the, the worst part of it all is. The minute things finally start to calm down and we enter into a new secular bull market, they're going to be right back at their back to the same old tricks. And they're going to act like what's happened this year and what might happen throughout the rest of this year never happened. All right. But other than these well-known guys who get tons of exposure on CNBC and are paid a ton of money, I'm not going to mention, (laughs) mention names uh, that are maybe a bit more on the periphery. Okay. But you guys, and gals know who I'm talking about. There's a lot of people out there with a a very wide following on Twitter that are giving very, very, very bad advice based on their ego and really nothing else, all right? Anyways, I started to get a little emotional there myself and then trail away from the original point, which is simply, again, there are too many people in this market who have learned very little so far this year who still think that the the 2008 to 2021 paradigm or approach is going to continue to work. There are not enough people who are appreciating just how long it takes to unwind a bubble like this. This isn't just a bubble measured by valuation metrics. It's a bubble measured by psychology, measured by entitlement, measured by just the way that consumers, especially American consumers, have been spending their money for a decade and a half. Those days are over for now. and we all need to adjust accordingly. So it's not just a function of looking at the headline forward PE on Google and talking about, you know screaming and yelling about how unbelievably cheap it is and how how can you not own it here. I've uh, mentioned many times in my tweets, Wall Street, analysts, the sell side, are are utterly, they are not only useless in this environment, they are dangerous. They are notorious foot draggers when it comes to adjusting their out year estimates. Once they've raised estimates and they've been doing nothing but raising estimates for years and years and years on these secular growth names, it, we could have another 12 to 18 months of downward estimate revisions ahead of us. Okay. So it's not just the P it's the E as well. And when you're talking about secular growth stocks, the E is a forward E. (laughs) These are, this is some model jockey's estimate of what this company might earn. Okay. And remember these companies are giving less and less, they're leaving less guidance than ever. Okay. So this is more than ever. This stuff is just a shot in the dark. All right. So that, that's just my overriding piece of advice to anyone listening here today. Like I, I know that like, everybody wants to call the top. Everybody wants to call the bottom. We've had a bunch of fools all year long trying to call a long-term bottom in stocks before the bear market has even had a chance to play out in earnest. I mean, I, and again, I'm not going to mention names. Some of these guys are on their 19th or 20th strike this year in terms of trying to call the bottom. This is going to take more than half a year to play out. That doesn't mean that the S&P is going back to 2000, okay? But it probably does mean that at best, we're looking at a couple of years, at at the very least, of sideways chop. You know, people have gotten very, very spoiled by this Fed. They've gotten used to these parabolic rallies where they're just doubling and tripling their money within a, a few years. I think those days are gone for the foreseeable future. They'll be back eventually. You know, this isn't a permanent paradigm shift. The Fed will blow another bubble eventually, but at the moment their hands are completely tied. Um, And when you see people getting excited and calling bottoms based on this notion that, oh, the Fed might not hike 50 basis points in July anymore, or the Fed, hey, they may shift to a series of 25 basis points Uh, hikes starting in the fall, you know, when you look at how badly the Fed has screwed this up and how far they have to go to reestablish any credibility, any kind of real control over the price of money here, it's just very, it's just not a smart thing to get tied up in these little nuances. The question that we should be asking ourselves every day, how long is it going to take for CPI to get back below, say 4% because we're a long way from that. And I'm not, I think the consensus has us falling back below 4% early next year. You know, that's like, yeah, the comps are getting tougher and tougher. It's not out of the question, but I think there's probably a very good chance. And I've said this a couple of times over the last few months too, I think at some point the fed it, with, without actually saying it this bluntly, the fed's going to look at us and say, get used to higher inflation. Cause it's not going anywhere for the time being, you know, I mean, commodity super cycle would certainly be part of that. Uh, just looking at some of the de- demographic trends globally, but, but also, you know, looking at the Chinese property bubble, the Chinese property market is the single biggest asset class in the world. And it is imploding. And they are, their population is, if it's not shrinking already, it's getting set to shrink. They're trying to shrink it. Right? So yeah, you've got some very rough undercurrents that are not going to go away anytime soon. Now, as far as how this all plays out in the short term, because obviously we are not just, you know, I'm, I am an investor on behalf of my retirement clients, but most of my transactions are shorter term trades, you know, anywhere from a week to, year. Uh, So how are we approaching this from a trading point of view? Um, I do think that the market has priced in uh, a good amount of what the Fed has been doing and planning. Has the Fed been pricing in? Quantitative tightening hasn't even started yet, but the market has been pricing it in, believe me. Yes, I think the market is also ignoring it some ask some parts of the market are ignoring it some parts of the market are poo-pooing it whether they think that the fed will never really follow through with it or the fed will only do it for a couple of months and then they'll lose their spine and they'll flip whatever it is markets have not lost their core characteristic as a discounting mechanism as a forward-looking mechanism we have certainly priced in quite a bit of harsh reality uh you know since this year began I do look, I look at my charts. I just look at them, you know, the mentality out there uh, as best as I can gauge it from what's on Twitter, from talking to my clients, from reading, you know, the research that I read. Um, I I think we have probably reached the fifth or sixth inning. Let's just say the fifth inning of this bear market. Um, And so do I, I mean, are the lows in? No, I don't think the lows are in yet. I really don't. I'm not one of these people who's looking for just a huge, you know, pullback, as I said, that down to like, you know, the, the March 2020 lows, which is what, about 2100, right? I'm not looking for that. This sell-off has been very orderly. There's been very little sign of panic. Generally speaking, bear markets need at least some panic to really, you know, come to fruition or come to an end for a, for a long-term bottom to be put in There usually has to be that VIX spike or that put call spike, that skew spike, whatever, you know, all all three. And we haven't had anything like that yet. That doesn't mean that we absolutely have to have it, but I would like to see, you know, one decent inning, inning and a half here of at least mild panic to, to kind of let me know that the message is getting through to people that this market overshot by an enormous amount. Okay. The fact of the matter is, is that the S and P 500, if the fed had not responded with nuclear monetary stimulus, and if the federal government and federal governments throughout the globe had not responded with unprecedented fiscal stimulus, the S and P would never have seen, you know, uh, north of 4,000 and it had no business seeing north of 4,000. But this recency bias where now we've seen the S and P get closer and closer. We we, we got pretty close to five, 5,000. Right. And everyone's kind of locked into this mentality. Well, wow, we've fallen a thousand points. How can we not bounce? And, and the fact of the matter is, is that I think we probably, I mean, the market's been trying to bounce here for about a week. It's actually shown a decent amount of resilience. As you guys know, follow me on Twitter. I'm very big on chart work. I think we probably will see somewhere between 40, 50 and 4,100 on the S and P before the sell-off resumes, you know, and a feature of bear markets, uh, other than bulls and permabulls in particular, uh, underestimating how, how low they can go and how vicious they can get is bears pushing their luck too long, or, or at least, you know, with too much leverage. So it wouldn't be a real bear market if the bears didn't get their faces ripped off (laughs) at least a couple of times. I'm not saying that we have a face ripping rally coming here, but one does get the sense that, you know, once we started to, once we dropped below 4,000 on the S and P and we started to see, you know, I don't think we actually ever got to a 3,700 handle. I think we 3810 or something was as low as we got, but you got the sense that people were starting to pile on and that's always dangerous too. We've made a decent amount of money um, by virtue of our long S and P short NASDAQ trade this year. Uh, Secular growth tech in particular has taken the brunt of the beating. Um, But you know, we pulled out of that trade about a month ago and we left money on the table and I'm okay with that because I've made the mistake in the past of sticking around for too long, overstaying my welcome on the bearish side. Even if the fed is No longer ready to step in and lift markets or boost markets or uh, you know uh, create provide a buffer for markets. There still are so many more uh, bulls than bears out there just by virtue. There just so many more people out there who invest in stocks than there are who bet against them. I'm talking about a lot of people who probably don't even know what's in their 401k or their IRA right? There just are so many more people involved on the long side than there are on the downside on the short side. Right? So there's a natural imbalance here that you always have to keep, uh, keep in mind when you're shorting markets, when you're betting against markets. And we have fallen a long way. We fell over a thousand points on the S and P. It was not only totally justified. Um, let me rephrase. It was totally justified. That was the initial phase of this huge bubble, you know, this huge overshoot uh, correcting itself. And now we have a situation where sure, inflation is starting to decelerate, but I do think that the market continues to underestimate how high it can stay well into next year. I would not be surprised to see inflation, to see uh, CPI stay north of 3%, exiting 2023. I don't know that that's a consensus view right now. So you know what what has to happen for the Fed to flip the switch and return to being permeable, you know, permeable heroes. A lot has to happen and we're nowhere near that. Yes, they can pull back a little bit on their tightening plans. They can hike in smaller increments. They can certainly go out and do what they've been doing the last couple of weeks, which is dropping, you know, floating little dovish trial balloons. They're gonna probably do plenty of that. But the fact of the matter is is we are only six months into um, a correction, six months into price action that has only just begun to correct unprecedented excesses from the last decade and a half. So that's why I, I you know, I would say at least if not every day, once every other day on the Blue shirt plus Twitter feed, I use the hashtag STFR. We are absolutely still in sell the rally mode. No doubt about it. I want to be smart about our entry points. I don't want to be, you know, the bears have gotten cockier and cockier and cockier as the year has gone on and with good reason. And this is obviously not something that can really be quantified. And we haven't had the VIX and the put call ratio and the skew ratio, you know, kind of um, verify all the bearishness that seems to be out there. There just hasn't been that, that bone crushing panic that we often see. But whether it's just 25 years of trading under my belt or whatever it is, is, I started to get the sense that, you know, the bears were getting a little too cocky, okay? The world is not falling apart. Going into a recession after the sugar, the massive sugar rush high that we had in 2020, 2021, going into a recession should be par for the course nobody should be afraid of this it should be expected it would be unusual if we were able to avoid it right so we are still in sell the rally mode no question about it um i think there are certain i i don't think the fact that secular growth names like apple Apple's actually the best example apple was one of the last stocks to finally start to cave in you know so D- despite what was going on with interest rates all year, everyone was hiding in Apple more and more and more and more. Apple probably will be the last stock to bottom when all is said and done. So, the, you know, the fact that um, global growth, we'll just say growth in the U.S. economy, growth in the global economy, the, sh- the the focus certainly has started to shift away from hot inflation and rising rates to the growth outlook. The fact that that has not translated into uh, tech stocks leading the way higher, or at least outperforming on the way lower is very, very telling in my view about just how far these stocks have overshot. You know, I saw a chart just a few minutes ago of uh, consumer discretionary, the the consumer discretionary to S&P 500 ratio. You know, technically speaking, despite the fact that consumer discretionary stocks have been hammered that transition has a long way to go. And it makes sense when you think about it, the fed has been sub, I mean, pulling all this growth and spending forward for years and years and years and years. All right. The U S consumer is going to be in much better shape than consumers in other parts of the world, for sure. Okay. But they're still in the early stages, in my view of a multi-year, I don't want to call it retrenchment. Cause I don't think it's going to be this huge pullback. You know, household balance sheets are in decent shape. You know, credit card, uh, you know, consumer leverage is not crazy out of control like it was a decade and a half ago. Right. Um, But just much more muted spending behavior on the part of the consumer base, Americans, that have been driving the global economy for a long, long time. All right. I'm at 27 minutes here. That's enough for today. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.